Welcome to the Active Faith Podcast, where we explore an active self-care lifestyle. My name is Andrew Weir. I am your host, and I am the Runnin' Rev. This is more than just going for a run or a bike ride. These are conversations with others as we seek to build a theology of self-care together, exploring how we take that initiative to care for ourselves in whatever way feels best for us as we seek to live out our faith and vocations. Friends, this is episode 31, and this is going to be a little bit different because I didn't have a guest booked for this week. Got a little bit behind on my guest booking, and so what I have done is brought back a previous guest, um, and we are going, uh, the previous guest guest is Glenn Riggs from episode 5, um, and we are going to start to explore some terminology, some themes, uh, some ideas from this self-care environment. And so you're going to hear a little bit. It's not as much like an interview conversation, but more of just a, a free-flowing conversation of us, of Glenn and I, having a conversation around uh, what is self-care, what goes into it, what is a part of it, beginning to unpack some of the themes of self-care. And this is something that um, I hope to do a little bit more often. So I'm going to have this episode with Glenn um, and then hopefully uh, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to have a little bit larger of a panel on uh, to unpack and go deeper in some more self-care terminology and themes. Uh, so let's dive into this conversation today with Glenn and let's explore a little bit deeper what we mean by self-care. All right, so we are here this week. So as I said in the intro, you know, I didn't I didn't really have a guest lined up for this week. I kind of have a little bit of breaking guests. And so I thought it'd be a really cool idea uh, for me to hop on uh, with some folks, some previous guests, and really start to define some of these self-care terms. And so uh, today I've got Glenn Riggs joining us again. You'll remember Glenn uh, back from one of the early episodes. Glenn, I think you were episode like five or six, if I'm not mistaken. I was really early on the yeah. process. <laughs> How you doing today, man? I'm doing wonderful, man. It is things have really been well for me. Um, I'm enjoying the weather, even though it's a little warm, getting out, and getting some running in. But man, I'm doing really good and looking forward to it because I I think that this terminology that we work with sometimes it it, it gets to all of us. Yeah, and it's and it's thinking to ourselves, right? Because this is 30 episodes old. You know, we've been going at, I've been going at this for a little more than six months now. We've been going back and forth and I'm sure listeners have been listening to this podcast and they're hearing these terms, these ideas, these concepts, these themes over and over again. Um, and, and I wanted to set this up as a round table. Unfortunately, it was kind of a last minute planning and I want to thank Glenn for hopping on and and joining us today. Maybe we'll come back again, uh, maybe in the next couple of weeks with a with a more expanded group of folks, but uh, to just begin to kind of have this conversation. And so I think, uh, Glenn, where I want us to start today is, is probably one of the biggest questions that I get asked as someone who is a leader in this self-care sphere. Uh, and one of the biggest things that I heard while I was at our annual conference is, what is self-care? Care and I just want to start there for a minute, uh, and and let's back and forth this for a second. So I mean, like as we start thinking about that word self care, you know, I'm I'm hyphenating it, friends. So so we it's it's one word, um, but as we start thinking about this, like, Glenn, what does your mind go to when you hear the word self care? Well, I I'll be honest, it is one of those things that it just gets 
you can use it as an overarching word, but that's when it gets confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and but to me, it's how do I take care of myself? How do I make me the best person that I can be health wise? Because that, that's where I want to take it is when I hear self-care, I'm really thinking of the health of my my body, myself and things like that, because that's what opens the door to other pieces. And like it's multifaceted to me is that it doesn't involve just one kind of like health, right? It's it, physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, um, which I think for me also puts it in this perspective of it also embodies much more than one specific area of our life. Um, mm-hmm. and, and almost controversially, sometimes I feel like that our vocation holds a sense of self-care within us. If we're practicing our vocation in a manner of we're doing something that actually brings us life. Um, and so I think for myself, as I think about my pastoral ministry, and I know, I don't know if you've got the same perspective too, uh, but I do find a sense of self-care when I am practicing my pastoral ministry. Absolutely. And it's one of those things where we Oddly enough, I'm looking for words about that of, you know, it is in pastoral ministry. One of the things that I find is it, it's warming, you know, and here's where we get into those, uh, you know, those difficult terms of it's warming to me. It's to see the difference in people's lives, to see people through the challenges that they face. And honestly, to kind of just have the conversation of what it's like to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, and it's when we start to have that conversation and we see the transformation, right? We're, that's yeah. what we're called to do, transformation of the world. And to see that and be a part of it in people's lives, um, that is very helpful to me. It's one of those things. It's, and sometimes doing pastoral ministry is actually relaxing. I yeah. love um, just, we, we were talking about it the other day of trying to get connected. And one of the things that came up was I had the food pantry. Yeah. And just going and doing that. And honestly, it was pretty awesome because I showed up, I unlocked the building, and I knew we had volunteers coming. And we had a bunch of volunteers come. So what did I get to do? I got to hop in. Actually, A, I got to go finish my run. (laughs) B, I got to hop in the car and go visit some people that weren't getting out. And so it, it... it's one of those things. It's always transforming of how we do that stuff. Yeah. I, I, I want to say it was um, a few weeks ago. I think it might have been on Pentecost back at the uh, beginning of June. Um, I'm looking for the post on, the, on, on, our, on my Facebook or uh, Instagram account. Um, but I think it was Pentecost. I did a baptism and then I had the opportunity to preside at the table, which I mean, I have every week as a pastor which is something cool, but that extra little special opportunity to preside over a baptism was really cool because it allowed me to express that understanding of like, man, this is something that I love to do. Uh, you know, especially serving where I serve, I don't get a lot of baptisms, right? You know, mm-hmm. in, a, in a church that is constantly aging, uh, you don't get a lot of like infant baptisms. You don't get a lot of baptisms in general. Um, and to be able to couple that with, with, you know, our other holy sacrament here in the Methodist Church of Communion, it just really, it filled me up. And so I saw from that a sense in which, man, there was something from my vocation that I had really needed that really helped me out. 
And so when we talk about self-care, I mean, it becomes so important that we recognize the various places in which we can be filled throughout society, um, and especially within our vocation. And it's also where I I pause for a second, especially as a pastor, to say, you know, worship is self-care for some folks. It's not self-care for everyone. I think it's very tough sometimes for worship to be self-care for a pastor when they're leading worship. Um, but... And this is where we kind of begin to diverge on you need to find your own self-care practices. Absolutely. Right. And it becomes when we talk about self-care, and that's where I think you pointed it out a minute ago, it's, it's what's healthy for you mm-hmm. um, and, and how you find that sense of either rest and relaxation, that sense mm-hmm. of healthy practice, that sense of what feels good uh, for you. Um, and then I think even understand the disciplines that go into that. Um, and I say discipline, not as like a regimented schedule, but knowing what it is. Right. Um, and so, I mean, let's, I mean, let's unpack, uh, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's move ourselves to that term. I mean, let's move ourselves to discipline, uh, because discipline becomes such a vital part of how we practice self-care. And so, uh, you know, what is discipline? Well, one of the things that that was in that story that I was telling, yeah, I'm a very regimented, but also coming out of the business world for so long, I'm control oriented. So that is one thing for me. When I see something that I'm a part of, I want to see it start to finish. But it takes a lot of self-discipline to, for me, to look at a situation and go, I've helped lead people to the point where I'm just the observer right now. Mm-hmm. Look at the beauty of this entity, this food pantry, this work of the Holy Spirit, this mission that the church is undergoing. Look at the fact that all these people showed up and here they are. And I can just go and socialize with the people that are coming to the food pantry. I can go and I can do other things. So it took discipline for me to be able to release that desire of control months ago into the hands of people that are very capable of doing it. And now seeing the fruit come of just being it. But I have to be very disciplined in the fact of, and cognizant, I can slip right back into that groove. Yeah. And for, for those who, you know, maybe a little bit more, free oriented who more often will fly by the seat of their pants. I think discipline offers something that you don't have to really think about. Mm -hmm. Um, it, and, and whether we think about it as, you know, scheduling, uh, I know that, uh, I don't know how many listeners are familiar with it, but something like block scheduling where you just, you pretty much like put something every five minutes of your day, pretty much. Um, or if it's something of just knowing and understanding the self-care practices that you need and when you might need them. So, I mean, I remember very early on in the pandemic of, I mean, not, I mean, before the pandemic of really focusing, knowing intentionally when I might need like a five minute meditation break Mm. and having that be a part of my discipline as, okay, I'm feeling really anxious. I'm feeling really just stressed. I just need five minutes to just take deep breaths, to meditate, to pray, to, you know, something like that. And so 
you know, I think when we talk about the way, uh, how we talk about self-care, it's both doing what feels right for us, and it's also knowing and understanding within that how to do it and how to do it in a way that benefits us. And I think that that's where this idea of, um, you know, so... For those of you listening, you know, I put a post out on Facebook just trying to gather ideas of what are some of these things. And, you know, we had someone comment this this overarching idea of the way people talk about self-care so much is doing what feels good right now rather than disciplines that actually nourish abundant living over time. And I think that there's a way in which both of those can be upheld as we talk about self-care because I think that the disciplines fall right in line with what works for us. Um, you know, I mean, I've talked about it before having, you know, we, I think Glenn, you were a part of it and, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to bash any of my previous spiritual leaders, but you know, we would go on spiritual retreats and we'd have like one to two hours of, of silent time. And Mm -hmm. for me, that's not something that works. I, I get a lot more, uh, whether it's, whether I want to consider it self-care or, or even spiritual care of having conversation with friends and colleagues. Like I just so badly at any point in time in that wanted to, I mean, I think you were there. And so I just wanted to like go over and talk to you about like, how are things going? Like, you know, are you feeling good? And and for some of those conversations to be reciprocated as we think about that. um, And so that's something where it's come, it's kind of like this idea of discipline versus what feels good for us. Um, And that is, and to me, those moments, like what you're describing of, it can be chaotic because then all of a sudden I feel like, you know, there's things I want to do when I see friends. It's like annual conference was uplifting for me this year. And it was to be able to see so many friends and just walk around and just had fluid conversations and just enjoy them myself and having meals and sharing time, you know, and I think the conversations that I had with a lot of pastors was they felt the same way. And even some laity that they missed that of being able to see people they haven't seen in a while, but taking a step back for just a moment. Um, and, you know, to kind of hit on to the actual um, structure part of what we're talking about, this, the discipline and self-care. Yeah, if I don't create space sometimes for certain things, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. But one thing that I did find was, is if it becomes over, overly rigid, if that's a, but if it becomes too rigid for me, then it actually becomes work. Mm -hmm. And so then is it self care? Because I'm actually starting to stress and have anxiety. Am I missing deadlines? Am I missing things? Um, You know, in, in training cycles and stuff like that, sometimes running is, you know, a great self care for me. But if I get too wrapped up in a training schedule, then it becomes a lot of work. And Mm -hmm. so I think the discipline involved with, like you said, having something on your calendar, having something on your schedule, but also realizing that we all get fed in different ways. You know, we can all walk into a room. I, I love that example of spiritual retreats because, you know, I'm actually going to, um, my second year provi- or the provi- the provisional residency event is coming up in July and I'm super excited because one of the events is actually a rafting trip. Yeah. It was an opt in opt out thing and I'm like, dude, I'm all in on that, you know, and I've talked to a couple of people that are in the provisional group and they're like, nope, not me. <laughs> and so it yeah, 
that's the type of thing is welcoming everybody in the space because we're all going to have different pieces. So. Yeah. I mean, I think that even when we continue to to look into that, we we continue to see the way in which self-care becomes defined as something that allows us to care for ourselves that's centered on us, right? It's Absolutely. centered on and and it it may seem selfish, right? It may seem selfish. Uh, but, you know, I, I remind folks all the time that I, how can I adequately care for folks if I have not first ca- cared for myself? And and in a way, then that also brings up this other concept that I want to shout out one of, you know, the first guests that I had on this podcast, Sarah Locke, you know, and you and I were talking about this one coming on b- before we came on, is this really begins to present this question of what it like, what is the difference of self care versus soul care? And I loved this question that Sarah put on. And I really wanted her on but shout out Sarah, you know, she is practicing self care right now she is on vacation. Uh, so I want to give Sarah a shout out but I, maybe you and I back and forth. And I think this could be a question that we unpack further when we do have like a roundtable type discussion on something like this. But mm-hmm. like, what it for you? What is this difference between self care and soul care? Yeah, that was, I, you know, getting to see that question and look at it, I was like, wow, that it's deep because first thing that my mind went to was, is, you know what, there is a split aspect to this. And if self-care is me taking care of the physical nature of my body, you know, of that I need to have energy, it's, you know, proper nourishment, it's proper training, it's physical activity, you know, I have to be able to, like you said, if I'm not taking care of the physical side of my body, I physically can't take care of other people. I can't go and do those things. And that's where we struggle with. But soul care, that was really, you know, just trying to unpack that a little bit of, you know, that's where I'm talking about, you know, what do I do like this opportunity to sit down and read scripture? Is it one of those things where, you know, if I'm not, because sometimes I get so wrapped up in what I'm doing for preaching, I'm reading the lectionary. Mm -hmm. How often do I take a step back and go, you know what? I need to do some of this for me. I need to clear my headspace. And I think headspace is a really good place for me with soul care because you know being in a situation of recently the difference between me taking care of my body and running and everything like that and then realizing I went to the doctors and my blood pressure was through the roof Mm -hmm. and what I realized was is anxiety (laughs) you know and so I'm physically taking care of my body I'm watching my diet I'm doing all those things but what happens when we're not in a good space for ourselves where our brain just won't disengage. And that was what, when I saw that question, I was just like, man, this is really powerful because that's to me, that space, it's where we're allowed to disengage from the world. We're allowed to have our own mental space. You said it just a minute ago of five minutes to meditate. Mm -hmm. I need five minutes to meditate. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think when I think of the difference between them is, you know, if we're going to talk about self-care, self-care is something that gives us that sense of feeling healthier as ourselves. Mm-hmm. 
And soul care, I think, definitely gives us that sense of spiritual connectedness, of building relationship with God, right? And so, and I think that it becomes dangerous to say we need one or the other. I think they are both needed within their own perspective. And I think that there are ways in which the ideas that get communicated through both of those words become an opportunity for us to really inwardly reflect on, okay, how am I caring for myself and how am I caring for my soul? Um, That was John Wesley's question, right? How is it with your soul? and, And I fear that something that might get lost in this is, you know, Oh, am I caring for my soul to like to like, you know, be saved? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that can be a very quick question for someone who's like, well, we need soul care because if we don't care for our souls, then we're going to hell. Right. I mean, if we're going to yeah. put it bluntly. Um, yeah. But no, I don't think that. And I don't I don't even think that our Wesleyan theology would even accept that kind of understanding. But I do think right. that there's this nature in which as Christians, we are called to continually be focused on this relationship that we have with God, right? That, that is this process of, of sanctification that we talk about in, in the Wesleyan tradition. And so what does it look like for us to care for that relationship um, as the first commandment, right? To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then, to, and then you know, we continue it on to love your neighbor as yourself. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's happening in those two commandments uh, because we have to know how to love God as much as God has loved us, and we need to know how to love ourselves so that we can love our neighbor. Um, and I think it begins with knowing that God loves us. And so I think that self-care begins with soul care because it begins for us with that relationship with God. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I look forward to having Sarah on maybe to help us continue to unpack that um, or, or unpack it further for us. But you know, as I think about it, I, I wonder if sometimes we neglect that understanding of soul care as we think about self-care, that they're not one and the same. I think it's important to differentiate them. Um, but I think, I wonder if when we talk about soul care, we're thinking about that first commandment of like, all right, cool. What is my relationship with God look like? Yeah, and then and how that does that one... impact the way that I love myself? Right, because that was one thing um, I started doing. It was a series that I worked on, and it was it was funny because, like, in the whole concept of wanting to express it, you know, and how do we verbalize things? I tried like a little mini podcast a couple of years ago, and mm-hmm. it was the whole thing was um, it was called "I See God," mm-hmm. and that was the whole concept of it was in our day to day life. When we're running or when we're driving or anything like that, it was, how do we see God in the physical world? But yet, how do we see God in our life? You know, the, the whole idea of one of, uh, one of the ideas was I was, you know, running one day and I saw the little creek, the creek flowing. And what I realized is, is there's so much water pushing the sand from one side to the other. And, you know, and how do I see God in that? Yeah. And then connecting with the fact that, a, there's God in the physical world, but it's also how do I understand God and the interaction within the world, and how does that influence my life? And so, and my love of God then is taken to a different level because I see it in both places. I see it as not only the physical world, but I see it as a message for me. And that's 
And so as we continue down this road, this uh, windy road of, of self and soul care and, and continue to unpack it, it almost seems like to me, when I think about it, you know, can I, can I have, I want to, I want to be conscious and aware that maybe not all, that some of our listeners may have like a fractured relationship with Christianity. And some of our listeners may have a fractured relationship with God. And so what does it look like to have a self-care routine um, that for the ways that folks have been hurt by the church often may be divorced from their soul care routine? Um, And what does that mean for us? Because I think that becomes a very pivotal and life-affirming question to name that, I mean, like... Friends, I'm a part of the church, uh, and and I'm a part of a church that unfortunately has caused great harm in this world. Um, I'm not afraid to admit it, and I'm not afraid to call for justice and reconciliation and healing where it needs to be called for. And so I hope you don't hear me as someone who wants to continue to cause pain. Um, And please call me out if if you think I have. I apologize. Um, But I wonder what that relationship looks like for us as we begin to build this theology of self-care and this nature in which self-care can be connected and should be connected to our faith. And oftentimes, no matter what that faith may be. Yeah, and that's so to... You're talking about like, you know, hurt by the church and things like that. I'm also not one that's afraid to admit that in my teenage years, yeah, the church called me a heathen, like really straight up to my face, you know, person from church calls me that. And, you know, it's like, wow, you know, and so there's this growth that we have. And I think you're kind of really into a great space and that is what's the difference between the actual physical building of the church and the humanity that exists within it and the imperfections that are there to also the space where I still have a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I'm unpacking that as we speak because it, it really goes into the sermon series that I'm getting ready to do. And so, but it's, um, in that space, there's knowledge of more and that, and Andrew, that's what I would say is the thing that rescued me was I realized that there was more than me and my opinions. And I also had to, if I'm asking somebody to accept my imperfections, there was the personal realization I had to accept other people's imperfections too. And so that started the journey for me. And um, I, I openly tell people I flat out walked away from church for years, but I didn't walk away from my faith. No. Yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, again, it comes back to this notion of as a as a faith-based podcast, as I like call it that, and I hope that anybody who listens to this podcast who may not be faith-based would would hear the genuineness in this tone is is as a faith-based podcast, you know, we ourselves in a in a God-centric Christian organization are building our nature of self-care off of our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And I think that and I think that for for folks who identify as Christian, that becomes the basis for their self-care. And so I would say that that soul care, that nature of soul care, um, when we come to define a soul, a spirit, 
as mm-hmm. Christians becomes the basis for even our self-care. Because if we look in Scripture over and over in Scripture, it talks about, you know, we are not, I mean, over and over. But when we look, you know, First John tells us that we love because God first loved us. And yeah. so we have to name and recognize the nature in which if we're going to talk about whether it's loving ourselves or loving our neighbor, like we mm. first begin with this nature in which we are loved by God. And so I think no matter where your faith is, uh, no matter what faith tradition you practice, I think there is that nature in which in order to love yourself, to truly love yourself and practice a, 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 a holistic self-care ritual, there is that nature in which you have to know first that you are loved by someone, by something, in some way, shape, or form. And so as we look out at the world, I think we can see ways in which people are directly impacted by the way in which they feel in which they are loved. Yeah, I, yeah what you're saying actually brings to mind when I first started, I'm going to say answering the call to come back into church feeling the spirit pull me in because it was well before I ever even debated being a pastor. It was just more of my engagement in the church. And I had a friend named Ray and Ray walked up to me and he goes, you know, so I know people that are raised Christians, he said, but I've known you. And he goes, but you haven't talked about church before and things like that. He goes, you know, I don't get it. I don't get the whole religion thing. And it was funny because sometimes, you know, God gives you words that you just realize that, wow, I I said something at that moment that I have no idea where it came from, but it made, it connected with him. And I just looked at him and I went over and I turned off a light switch. And I sat up there, I said, Ray, when you die, is there something more or do the lights just go out? And he goes, well, there's got to be something more. I said, then you got faith. And I said, and I choose to put my eggs in the Jesus Christ basket. <laughs> and, you know, and it's one of those things because faith is a personal journey. It's a personal walk. And that was well before I started this journey of being with it. And it was kind of funny to see the light bulb go off with him. And he started exploring that. Mm-hmm. What, did it, what did it mean for him to know that there was something more? And I think that that's what part of our soul care is, using that term, it's we know that there's something more and that, you know, we're, we're nurturing that relationship because we're nurturing that relationship with our friends, with our colleagues, but we're also nurturing that relationship with Christ because Christ is there and Christ is calling. And so that, that's where our faith leads us to, the knowledge that there's something more than me. And I mean, it begs the question slash response of why are we worthy to care for ourselves? Not by any reason other than we're a human being. Why are we worthy? Um, and I, I feel like, you know, Christians unfortunately throw that word worthy around probably far too much in terms of judgment, in terms of condemnation. But I wonder if we were a little bit more honest that we are worthy by nature of just being a created being on this earth. 
I wonder how much that would change the cultural view of self-care. Yeah. Like, I really wonder about that. Um, Cause I've been, I mean, and I've been reflecting and, and I hope that when we get this round table together, um, you know, sometime, <laughs> Uh, for, for those listening, uh, this is very last minute podcast recording, uh, trying to get an episode out to you. Uh, you know, I, I, I felt I, I desired to have episodes for you all weekly and, and I love being able to offer them. And so, you know, I, I thank Glenn, Glenn being one of, one of my best friends, probably one of my closest clergy mm-hmm. colleagues, uh, a, a person that I coach on his running journey and, and heckle him and give him a hard time about reaching his goals. But, um, you know, I was thankful he was able to jump on today and, and kind of begin to unpack and begin to start this conversation that I think that he and I, and, and there are others in this conversation, that we hope to continue to unpack these definitions because I think we're starting to see that the conversations that I'm having on this podcast with, with guests when I do interviews are great and wonderful. But I also think we have these questions um, about what self-care means and diving deeper into it. And I mean, I've seen a lot of the questions on on the Facebook posts, in our Active Faith community, on Facebook, in our group. And I want to unpack these, but but I do want to spend this time with Glenn today, really focusing on this nature of self-care. Um, and so I think for me as a pastor, my biggest question is always why. Right. Well, I love the question that you're asking. I'm actually sitting here and trying to unpack the the idea of worthy of self-care. And you know, honestly, when I was on the when I was on this, you know, fifth episode and I was talking about things, there was a lot did of Did you stuff go back and look my- that up? I did. Okay. <laughs> I was going to look it yeah. up after we were done. I apologize yeah. for interrupting you, but I'm like, did he just look yeah. that up cuz I didn't remember. Yeah. Yeah, but it was one of those things where I knew that I was in a really challenging space in my life and getting used to new things, setting schedules with my son. But what I realized was, is there had to be this moment where I had to just say, you know, I am worthy of taking care of myself. And it is, it's one of those things where, because if we're not doing it and we're not setting aside time then what does that really look like? Because we, we want to be able to do those things. And, and honestly, it was a struggle because as I unpacked it and as I thought about where I was in space and life, I had a lot of friends that were supporting me on mm-hmm. so many levels. And they're like, you know, you got to take care of yourself. You got to take care of it. You got to be healthy, you know, making decisions that are hard and just, you know, honestly making decisions that were right for my son. And so it struggling with those things, but it meant that I had to carve out a space for that. I had to carve out that space and the struggle and to be able to do that. And, um, I was joking around with you and I said, I think I created a word. It's called the allowedness, right? Yeah. <laughs> Are we allowed to do those things? And that's why, so the, the idea of what makes us think we're worthy, a, I have to come to the realization that my personal decisions and my personal actions have far reaching consequences beside myself, because there's things that I can choose to do that are just as unhealthy as they are healthy. 
And so I have to realize that um, there, there's this bigger piece and there's, that's where I choose God. And that's where I say, you know, there's this relationship, but it's also the idea that, um, yeah, why, you know, and Andrew, that's a deep question. Yeah. And, it's, you know, <laughs> and I, because I often ask myself this of, you know, when, when I'm sitting down and I'm reflecting on, you know, my role, my job, and mm-hmm. I'm evaluating my pastoral leadership, I always feel like I am placed in a situation where I, I, I won't. So I'll say it hasn't been as much in this appointment that I'm in right now. Um, mm-hmm. And they've been very gracious. And I love that. Um, I love that about my current appointment in my current church. But I have definitely been in situations in the past uh, where you feel like you are having to defend even the most simplest form of vacation. Like, guys, I just need a week off. Yeah. Um, I remember my first appointment. I remember having to defend to defend my paternity leave to my churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about this nature of, you know, society being the gatekeeper of self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk about allowedness. Um, yeah. And, and I want to I, I pull up because, um, to, uh, uh, again, I, I love giving people credit uh, for, for uh, engaging uh, with, with the podcast and and in this space and time, and so I want to make sure I'm pulling the it up here. It was it was Amanda Holmes on uh, in our group, and I hope she's okay with with me giving her a shout out. Um, if not, I'll cut this part out. Um, but it, it was Amanda Holmes, and she said, "I think the most frustrating, the thing most frustrating about self care is those that often preach about it or tell me I need to practice it are the same ones that don't allow me the space to do so." Um, and and I often think that even beyond those who preach it um, mm. and or tell us to do it, uh, not allowing us, but even just society in general, feeling like they need to be a gatekeeper to self care. Uh, you know, we are we are told. At, I, I want to caveat all of this by saying, like, you know, people have vacation policies for a reason, right? Um, but but we're told exactly how much vacation we're allowed to take a year. We're told how much renewal leave we're allowed to have a year. Um, we're essentially told how many Sundays we are allowed to have off, which I'm really struggling with right now because, you know, as a pastor, we're in a vocation where, like, one day, like, there's one day a week where we are expected to be someplace. And, like, right. if we're not in that place, a lot of times it's considered that we have taken a week off. And I'm like, hmm, no. I haven't. Yeah. I might just not be here today. Yeah. So I love it. Coming out of um, annual conference, it's the the running joke is a couple friends of ours. It's you know moment of personal privilege, right? It is. Yeah. You know, I, I, we. Um, I say that, but it was kind of one of those things. And honestly, I want to take that for just a second because I dance around things sometimes, and that is one thing where I realize it's hard. And so I just want to be just straight out the conversation of allowedness made me comfortable with saying today, like in the fall, I went through separation. And so making decisions of, you know, that for my personal life, 
Um, and then also what it meant for care of my son. Mm. And the same people that were saying, you know, you got to do what's right for you. You got to do what's right for your family. Were also some of the people that were coming back and going, well, why is your day off changing? Why, why do you need to leave to go at three? You know, why are you leaving early on this day? And it's like, all of a sudden, why is my schedule falling under a microscope when I'm telling you that what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to take care of myself, I'm trying to take care of my son, and I'm trying to make the best decisions for me. And yeah. Andrew, that, that's hard because it's very similar to what that question brought up was the people that are telling you to take care of yourself are also the same people that then it falls into question mm -hmm. of, you know, I joke around because last night I was playing softball and, you know, I, I'm trying to get the level of accountability up for what my fall running goal is. Just so you know, you know, as my coach, there's, there's the accountability to my coach. There's the accountability to me. But when I have other people, they're trying to hold me accountable to attempting to be a Boston qualifier this year, yeah. you know, I need all the accountability in the world, but yeah. I also need the grace that's going to come with that with my schedule. Because of me, you know, having to worry about my son in school or anything like that and what my time and space looks like and all those spaces, there is this allowedness for me to create that word in this space. It's true. We have to have an allowedness of being able to do things and mm -hmm. to know that we are creatures of habit, we are creatures of routine, and especially when we've been together with a con I, I'm starting my seventh year with this congregation. So there is some very comfortable routines that we've gotten into. And maybe it's time to shake those up because sometimes when we get into routines, we're not doing self-care anymore. Because what we realize is, is we're just doing what's easy. So maybe it's time to shake those things up and maybe it's time to give people the grace that they're making the best decisions for themselves. And that's the way I would answer that one question. Is, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I get it and understand that there's probably a, a level of trust that comes with our ability uh, mm -hmm. to practice self-care. Um, do I necessarily agree with that? No. Uh, I think, I think that, again, we are worthy of self-care by being human, by being a created being on this earth, not because of what we can offer to any one person or any one group of people. Um, and so I do think it's interesting that, you know, I mean, you see companies all the time, oh, you, the amount of vacation you can take a year is dependent upon how long you've worked for us. And I'm like, okay, well. That doesn't really seem fair. Um, that just because, or I, I mean, I remember folks who have said before that they couldn't take vacation for like six months or like eight months after they started a job. Um, right. And I'm like, how is that healthy to like work a job for like six straight months without a vacation? Because um, I, I mean, I, de I mean, I, and I, I want to, I, I feel like you do it too, the amount of time I see you on vacation. Um, is that our vacations are often broken down into seasons. Yeah. You know, I've got a, I've got a Christmas vacation. I've got an Easter vacation. I've got a summer vacation. And then normally I'll have a few days off in the fall. Um, 
And and to be open and honest with our listeners of the reason that that is the case is because it is getting far more difficult for me to take vacation and to have good quality family time on vacation in the fall because both of my kids are now in school and because my wife works for a school for a for a for a for at a place that runs on the timeline of a school as well. And so it makes it difficult in those times to be able to to take vacation in which I feel like I can get good quality family time. So what I tend to do mm-hmm. is take a couple of days where I can have good quality me time. Right. Um, and so w- we have those opportunities. Uh, and, and I'm thankful for the for the Virginia Conference and for the Methodist Church for recognizing that pastors, no matter their age, no matter their tenure in the church, deserve four weeks of vacation. Um, that they deserve a week of renewal leave every year, that every four years that they deserve a month of renewal leave, and that every like six or seven years that they deserve a longer sabbatical that can last as long as three, maybe even six months. Um, and so, I, I mean, I appreciate a denomination that offers that. Um, I wish that there were more avenues to be able to give us the space to fully take advantage of those times of leave. Uh, including help and assistance in guest preaching, um, help and assistance in training lay volunteers in leading worship, basic leading of worship, um, you know, stipends to help us to be able to have guest preachers come, um, knowledge of, of how to handle guests. I mean, these are things, these are basic things that, that I notice in my vocation. And I mean, I think about like, teachers right and and doctors who it's like i mean that is a very like specific subsect of people i mean <laughs> i understand they're substitute teachers but i also understand the amount of work that goes into creating a packet for a substitute teacher to be able to sub in um like i know school systems have systems in which substitutes can sign up for classes in which subs are available um but then teachers have to go through and they pretty much have to like like create a packet for the substitute to follow um, uh, you know, I mean, d- doctors can't just pass a surgery off to another doctor sometimes. I mean, I could be wrong. And if there's a doctor out there, I would love to have you on to talk about what it is like to take vacation as a doctor. Um, you know, it frustrates me to no end how society has become the gatekeeper for self-care that we have yeah. to feel like we have to go to society. Um, and even that and you're in it right now, you're in this provisional process. I remember being in the provisional process of having it preached to me, like, take your vacation, make sure you have your, Mm -hmm. your, your, your one day off a week, which I also think is bullshit. And I apologize for the language. (laughs) Pastors deserve two days off a week. Like I will die on that hill. Pastors deserve two days Mm -hmm. off. Like other professions get two days off. And so Friday and Saturday, my day's off. Name it mm-hmm. right now. If there's something going on at church, Saturdays, I'll be a little bit more lenient. Friday, Saturday, my day's off. I'm taking two days right. off a week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, that's one of my frustrations with self-care. Yeah. And honestly, you know, kind of joking around, it's the, it's the same thing of, you know, when, when I go to go on vacation, I have yet to serve a church that um, the bulletin gets done. <laughs> without yeah. so i have to make sure that all the bulletins are done you know and if i'm gonna go on vacation for two sundays in a row that means i really got to have both bulletins done i got to have everything finished and you know all those different pieces and so yeah i would love to not have to worry about that because you know i would joke around with my sprc chair you know it's 
that's the kind of thing that is the challenge. It's the day-to-day running of, it's the order of the church. That's the best way I can describe it. You know, what is what does order of the church look like and how do we get other people to support us? Now, the laity here has stepped up a lot and I have a great assistant. I have, you know, some great leadership that's in the church that allows me to step away, to do things like that. But I've still yet to take a full week vacation, you know, in, in a while. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, and part of it is just that space. What does it really look like? What does it really feel like? And, you know, trying to coach and lead people that way, you know, because I, I want to be able to step away. That's... Well, and, and again, like, we deserve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we deserve it because we deserve to be able to care for ourselves. I feel like I'm a better pastor when I've had time to care for myself, when I've had my day off, uh, mm-hmm. when I've been able to go for my run, when I've had my daily prayer time. I, I feel like I'm a better pastor when I've been able to take adequate amount of vacation during the year, when I have the opportunity each week to spend time with my family, with my non church friends. Uh, these are just friends that are not a part of the church community that I serve. Um, I feel like I'm a, I feel like I'm a better pastor when, I mean, I feel like I'm a better pastor when I have an opportunity. To, I do feel like a better pastor when I have an opportunity to be in the pulpit, to preach a sermon that gives me life. When I have the opportunity to practice baptisms, to practice communion. Um, you know, I feel like a better pastor when I have the opportunities to practice soul care and self-care. I, I la- I'm laughing. I'm, it's one of those things where you just said, you know, your non-pastor friends. And I'll never forget, I had um, a mentor one time tell me, make sure you have a group of friends that don't know you're a pastor. <laughs> oh, no, they <laughs> so, know I'm a pastor and they no, love and me for and, it. Right. And that's what, and that's really what, you know, in unpacking it, what it meant was, make sure you have a group of friends that don't treat you that way, that mm-hmm. you're not going to show up and, you know, it's, yeah, we're talking about normal everyday things. We're not talking about it from the role of the pastor. And just like you said, you know, excuse my language for a minute, every once in a while, we got to be able to just kind of, yeah, excuse me for that. And let me be myself. Let me be wide open for a minute um, and in a safe space. And the, that's where, you know, yeah, that is so important for us to have that and to be able to step away and honestly for have people that see you in that light. And I think about it and like, this is the first appointment I've had that I think I've ever had that relationship with folks. Um, You know, I think as I was, you know, winding my time down at my previous appointment, it was starting to happen with my running team and I was starting to get some friendships. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think this is the first appointment I have where I have, a core group of friends who are in no way associated with the church that I serve. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I'm not their pastor. Like I'm their friend. They know I'm a pastor. Um, and they love me for it because I'm, I'm me. Um, Mm -hmm. but they also don't expect me to be their pastor. And it's nice to have that all the time. <laughs> right. Uh, every it time is. I hang out with them, I'm like, this is great because I don't have to be anybody's pastor. Um, and I remember, I remember one of my friends, Patrick, shout out Patrick Pillow. We're just shouting everybody out in this episode. Um, I need to get him on. Um, you know, I was teaching at, at one of the uh, provisional retreats last time. And, uh, you know, he asks, how do you not pastor your friends? And, and I thought about it for a second. And I said, 
I I feel like I would I feel like I don't pastor my friends when my friends are having trouble in their lives. I'm their friend. I'm there to support them. And and I think mm-hmm. that there's a lot to say that, you know, my vocation as a pastor has played wholeheartedly into the empathy that I'm able to provide because I have I am used to sitting with people um and being a very um empathetic presence with them. Uh, and sitting with them and caring about their problems. And I think that's played a role in my ability to be a good friend. At least I hope so. Um, you know, some of my Runsimo folks come yell at me if you think I've been a bad friend. I'm, I, you know, we can, we can have a discussion about that offline. Um, but I hope that when, you know, one of my friends is going through a crisis that I could sit with them with, you know, the same empathy that I can sit with members of my church with. Um, well, brother, I can say, uh, honestly... You've been a good friend. That is, and in this challenge of my life, and and I will say that you've never attempted to be my pastor. Yeah, and you've you've just been a friend, and that is that's what I needed. You and Nathan, you yeah. know, you know, like, like you said, shouting out to people, you and Nathan, and you know that honestly, that that's what's been important to me. And I think that that becomes the important part of what it means to care for ourselves. Um, and, and, and as we close this conversation of kind of circling that back around to, to where we started as we just began to define self-care, I, I think this was a great opportunity to start defining terms. We, we did by no means get to like any terms except for like self-care and soul care. Uh, but I think we, we, we really started it off well in talking about these things because it becomes that vital nature in which we're defining what self-care looks like for us, right? Um, and it becomes that inward reflection of, 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 you know, and to encourage listeners, like, be selfish for a moment. Like, be selfish. Figure out what you need to care for yourself, not your family, not your friends, not your vocation, not your community. What do you need to care for yourself? Um, and I think a couple of the things that Glenn and I have highlighted is that in a lot of ways, there are intersections that begin to play a role. I could not imagine caring for myself without having my family, my friends, and my vocation around me. And I hope that that's come out in this episode. I think you've heard that from both Glenn and myself. But it starts with looking inward. And before it even gets to that point, it comes with naming that there is soul care that is happening, that we have someone who loves us unconditionally. Um, And again, to be fully inclusive in this moment, whether you feel like that is God, whether you feel like that is, um, you know, Allah, Jehovah, uh, whether you feel like that is um, any deity that you believe in, to know and to name that, that there is something out there that loves you enough to have created you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we really pull in and establish that kind of, of self-care and soul care. Um, well, I don't have any end of podcast questions. Maybe, well, you know what? Let, let's, let's, let's do a couple here. Let's do a couple okay. here. Cause I, I like, so we've done a couple. Um, I mean, I've recorded, I, I, I've recorded with Glenn before. <clears throat> and so, you know, I don't think that we need to go through, uh, the the regular ones, but but Glenn, I want to ask you uh, one uh, two of two of them because I think that uh, a couple of these have probably changed since the last time we've recorded. Um, so, so Glenn, Glenn, recently, uh, what is something you have done that has made you feel accomplished?
weight loss. So that is one thing. Since I last recorded with you, um, I've lost 30 pounds. And it was actually pretty cool to walk around conference and to, to have my confidence back that I mm -hmm. had. But to have people look at me and go, oh, that's Glenn, <laughs> you know, and so it, that was really cool um, to feel accomplished in that. Um, but also to just feel like life's getting a little normal again. And then the other one I'll ask, because as your coach, this is a great one to do. What is an upcoming goal that you have, Glenn Riggs? Boston qualifier in the fall. Ooh. <laughs> It's it's a big hearty goal that um you know but honestly I I know I can do it I know I have the support I know I got the ability I'm not throwing something out there that is just fictitious um I would love to be able to do that this year I turn um I turn forty nine so it's the opportunity for me to set a goal like that 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 I can do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was funny because the other day my son and I were in the gym and I just started doing weight training with him a little bit. There's a little gym in Wakefield that, um, has been really good and learning form back and things like that. And the coach that works with my son went, you know what, let's see you max out. He was, they were showing him <laughs> how to deadlift. And so in the deadlift and, and I probably, you know, honestly, I felt really good with where the weight was. I maxed out at 350 pounds in a deadlift. And that was great. But also to understand the ramifications that that has helped with my posture in running. Mm -hmm. It's helped with realizing that there's a holistic view of there's not just running. Yeah. And to see the look on my son's face where his eyes got big and he went, Daddy, the bar's bending. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That was, you know, but honestly, for him to see that when we put our minds to something, we can do it. Yeah. And so that that's, and that's what I've done. I've put my mind to it and I would love to be able to just put that right behind my name, Boston Qualifier. Yep. And, and you'll do it before me because I'm not running any marathons <laughs> anytime soon. Um. <laughs> coached a boston qualifier that sounds nice um and friends i just want to name that that it took us like 55 minutes to get to a point where we started talking about physical activity uh, and i want to note that it's kind of just a change in this podcast as as i've continued to pray forward about where this podcast is going i have discerned this this space in which I, I love focusing more on self-care than the physical activity. I'm not getting rid of the physical activity to be to, in the least bit because if you talk to my wife, I only ever talk about running um, because I do love it a lot. Um, and we're going to continue to have people who use physical activity as a form of self-care, and we're going to continue to hear those stories. But um, I do want to be aware and, and intentional about lifting up the holistic nature of self-care that is before us. So, uh, Glenn, I want to thank you so much for, for hopping on and joining me today. This has just thank been you. awesome and great. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. Yep. So this was the first in what I hope is uh, 
I don't know how many episode time uh, where we can unpack some of these terms. You know, I do have some guests who I've got lined up to maybe come in and talk about some of these things, yes, but, but also just in general to explore their stories as I normally do on episodes of this podcast, but to bring back past guests who can come in and help us understand a little bit deeper because uh, who would I be as a podcast host in this self-care space if I didn't help you to understand the terminology, the, the themes, the undergirding ideas that come into self-care. And, you know, I didn't want to be the lone voice that was helping you to understand these things, but I wanted to continue to bring in folks who uh, are practicing these things, who are engaged in this self-care space. Uh, and so uh, over the course of time, hopefully I can bring back some guests, maybe have a round table episode for us to continue to explore things. But in this episode today, as Glenn and I just really had a nice little conversation unpacking self-care, just self-care as an ideology and what it means. And I mean, I love that little portion where we talk about self-care and soul care and and really labeling the nature in which the way we care for our souls gives us this incentive to care for ourselves because it lets us know that we are loved and that we deserve to care for ourselves, that our sacred worth, no matter who you are, no matter what you believe, no matter anything else that's going on around you, gives you permission to care for yourself. I don't give you permission. Glenn doesn't give you permission. No one else gives you permission, but you should care for yourself for the sheer fact that you are a human being that is on this earth doing things. And so uh, take that initiative. Go and care for yourself um, while at the same time making sure that you know that your soul is cared for as you continue to engage in matters of faith in matters of all the different things that are going on around you. And so uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. You know, I will uh, put Glenn's contact information. uh, I'll put it again in the podcast notes. Uh, Don't forget to check out those show notes. Join us on the Active Faith community over on Facebook. Uh, That's where I got some of the uh, ideas and concepts of things that uh, some of you all in the community thought that, that we should focus on as we start developing these ideas. Uh, as, as you look and, and hopefully you continue to listen to this podcast, I would love your support. This is a, a fully listener-supported podcast. There are no ads. There are no, you know, I don't, I don't generate any revenue from anything um, but the listeners. And so uh, in that, I would love it if you would follow or subscribe to this podcast. Make sure that these episodes are coming into your feed as soon as they are available. And when you follow and subscribe, I would love it if you would go and leave a review for this podcast. Let me know what you think. Uh, head on over Apple Podcasts. Even if you don't use Apple Podcasts to listen to this, you can still use Apple Podcasts to leave a rating and review. And so I would love it if you would leave a rating and review. Let others know how much you're enjoying it. And then I would also love it. This is the this is the uncomfortable part where I ask for money, but uh, I have started a Patreon to hopefully help uh, uh, offset some of the cost of this podcast uh, so that I can keep on providing these conversations, keep on bringing them into uh, into your ears as we continue to engage. And so if you would head on over to patreon.com slash runnin rev, uh, no space, that is runnin without a G, runnin rev, uh, and go over there and, and just help to support the mission and ministry of this podcast. Uh, and lastly, and, and honestly, like, one of the best ways that you can help is just sharing this podcast. If you really love this episode, if, if something in here really tugged at your heartstrings, please go on over Facebook, Instagram, and share the podcast. 
tag and, and you will get a shout out. Any number of these things that you do, you will get a shout out. I love shouting out folks who are engaging with this community. And so I would love it if you would invite them to listen and if you would find ways to support this podcast. And now may God bless each of us and may we find ways to stay active in and for God's kingdom. Amen.